What's up, coaches? Want to wish good luck to everybody heading into the playoff season, whether you're already in the playoffs or playoffs are here in the next few weeks, or uh, even if your team, unfortunately, this year didn't make the playoffs but uh, had a great season and, and are building towards the playoffs next year. Want to wish everyone a good luck in the playoffs this uh, over these next few months. Uh, if you guys need anything from us, reach out to us at runthepower.com, find any of our videos. Find uh, find us on Twitter, and then obviously all of our podcasts that come out are also on our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up, as you guys know, with their product, uh, and it's been a game changer for us all season. We uh, love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, uh, inside zone, power obviously, uh, counter and, and pin and pull, and even some outside zone uh, more this year. So uh, we can save time, be more productive, have a little bit of time with our family during the season. Just Play has a limited time off for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120. That is $60 off the normal list price. This offer has been extended uh, and it won't last much longer. Get this deal at justplaysolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at justplaysolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our good friends and buddies over at Team Builder. Team Builder is again offering coaches a free in-season football strength program. As you may recall, the New England Patriots squat up to 90% of their one rep max deep into the playoffs. If your in-season strength and conditioning philosophy and your playoff philosophy is just to maintain, then you're doing it wrong. You can get the program once you start a 14-day free trial with Team Builder, which is Team B-U-I-L-D-R. Just reach out and tell them that you heard it from me, Rowdy, and the RTP podcast. Or use the code RTP when you sign up for your free trial at TeamBuilder.com, which is Team B-U-I-L-D-R.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Steve Rapp. Coach Rapp is the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach at Dr. Henry A. Wise Jr. High School in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Listen as we talk with Coach Rapp about the benefits of 7-on-7 competition for your quarterback and skill kids, along with his balanced offensive philosophy and play calling to maximize the talents of athletes that change year in and year out. You can follow Coach Rapp on Twitter at CoachRapp underscore O. Hope you guys enjoy. I think I had one of the more interesting stories when it comes to that. Um, I, you know, I started playing football at about six. I played quarterback all the way through in the in, in the great wing T system. Um, got to high school. Uh, I also played basketball way and ended up playing basketball in high school and college uh, but you know never really lost um the love of the game and the game as a quarterback was a quarterback and a point guard and uh, the game is, is is as soon as I could get back to it I got back to it so I did a um play play four years of college basketball and did a pro tour and got into that and the first thing when I got back is I got into coaching football uh, Little League football, as a matter of fact, uh, did that for two years and then got into the high school level at uh, Northwestern High School. Ended up being there for six years, worked my way up from just the, you know, the, the, the JV quarterback coach all the way to the uh, varsity coordinator. And then from there, I went to uh, Wise High School, uh, 
and been at Wise now going on year number seven. Um, we, while at Wise, we've won three state championships in my tenure, um, and you know, trying to get back to number four this year. Well, that's that's a a big, I guess, mountain to climb. Uh, you know, I was kind of in the I've been in the opposite um, spectrum of that my whole career. I've, we've been we've never won hardly anything, and we've been one of the biggest okay. uh, schools in the in the state forever, basically. And we've gone hundred okay. years without winning a state championship. Finally, did it this year, and it was oh, wow. fun and exciting. But uh, a whole, you know, which was a, a big hurdle to climb over. But um, I'm going to assume after you've won three and now going into four, uh, as I've talked to some of my teammates that. Uh, and when they were in high school, they kind of went through the uh, their high school won a bunch. It's like a whole different pressure for those guys. It's almost like, um, and I'm sure you guys do a good job of that as coaches trying to fix it. But it's almost like, man, if we almost lose a game, it's like a, a huge detriment even uh, with such a, a high bar of success. Yes, sir. So um, this past season, uh, we had beat. The uh, the record for consecutive games won in a row by a high school program. We won 40, 44. The current, the actual current record, you know, not the overall record. Um, we lost our first one this year in a nail biter um, to you know to a to a private school, and so it kind of made us press the reset button and uh, you know kind of get back to square one, which I think was was, was healthy. Um, it kind of made us get back to major details and, you know, dotting I's and crossing T's. And um, I think it's been, you know, kind of one of the best things for us. Was that a conversation that you guys had as a staff? Because I, I think it's it's probably, you know, you've got two ways you can go about that. You could say we've won, you know, 40-some in a row, and so we must be doing something right. We obviously didn't do well this game, but we've done well for 40 games. Um, and then there's the other side that said, hey, we've been winning so much, we lost this one. Um, you know, maybe we need to fix some things, but obviously you don't want to go through a total overhaul because what you've been doing has worked so well for 40-some games in a row. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that the biggest thing was um, DeLon Parrish, who is our head coach, I think he does a great job of keeping the staff grounded. Um, he is also the D coordinator, and um, I'm the – and, you know, obviously I'm the O coordinator, so – he, I think, I think through the process, we never really, that never really was a discussion amongst the staff about old oh, streak or we're trying to win another game. It was, it was still, you know, get better every day. And I think, you know, that kind of that helped the process. I mean, you know, we went, we had a great class, great three, four classes of kids, and you know, those guys cycled in, cycled out, and um, now, you know, we're. We're back to you know some playing a lot of younger guys, sophomores and juniors. Um, so it's kind of uh, you know I, I would say it goes in cycles, I guess, in high school football. Um, we're a 4A public school, which is the biggest in the state of Maryland. So you know we're not in a recruited situation. So you kind of you get the guys that live in your zone, and you know that's kind of what you got. So you know things um, things you know people come and go, and I think you know the process of getting back to just getting a little better every day is kind of what we hang our hat on. And, um, you know, I think that's where we are today. Coach, winning, you know, 40-some in a row and obviously winning those uh, kind of championships, um, there's got to be some pillars to kind of your offensive success. You know, I'd, I'd imagine you guys pride yourselves on on being a balanced offense and an explosive offense. Can yes, you talk sir. a little bit about some of the things that – that you guys really emphasize because I think to, to have that kind of sustained success, 
it's not just going to be a run of, of really good players. There's got to be some things you guys are doing to, to kind of keep that continuity rolling. Yes, sir. Um, I think, well, I think it all starts with um, all the changes in the game that, that have been going on. <laughs> Our first day installed, day number one, is still ISO. Um, we're primarily a 21, 11, 20, 10 personnel team. Um, and, but we're going to run ISO, period. You know, we hang our hat on ISO and power and counter and, you know, all the all the, the nice things that come along with that, with the, you know, the RPOs and the screen game and all of that stuff. But I think the biggest thing is um, dealing in high school is your personnel every year. Uh, we have some certain things, like, like we just said, we're going to run lead power counter. But the dressing that comes along with it, whether it be quarterback run or RPO or is it more tight end sets or is it more 10 personnel all depends, you know, year in and year out on what personnel you have. Um, I think, you know, when you got a tight end, you can do some things. When you got a fullback, you can do some things. When you don't have those guys, you got to do some other things. Um, I just think that uh, the high school game, unlike the college game, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of dealt the hand that we get and, you know, kind of going into the book or, you know, my definition of a good coach and a great coach is the good coach knows his system inside and out, and the great coach can tweak his system every year to fit the personnel that he has. And I guess that's, from an offensive perspective, that's kind of, you know, where we were. We've had over the past four years, we started a 5'8 quarterback, 5'8", 170-pound quarterback um, that was the all-met player of the year. And he um, is now playing at Army. He's the number two on their depth chart. And in the last two years, we played a 6'5", 185-pound quarterback who wasn't a runner, but he could make all the throws. So our offense drastically changed from quarterback run stuff to more, you know, RPO stuff based on the personnel that we had. Coach, I think that's one of the most important things is, like you said, as a high school coach, I mean, you, you've got to mold your offense every year, but um, you don't want to have to, like, call something different every year. You, you want to be able to – keep your, some of your same your same offense, but just lean, you know, heavier on a, a different side of your playbook? Is that something that, uh, you know, you guys try to do as well? And obviously not reinvent the playbook, maybe just live in a different section of it, depending on what personnel you guys have that year. Oh, yes. You, you summed it up 100%. I mean, that's, you know, if you have, if you have 100 plays pages, if you have a playbook that's 100 pages, you know, this year you might only get one to 20. You know, but next year you might get one through 50. You don't, you know, your your playbook is your playbook. But, you know, living in the moment or being able to kind of perfect what fits the skill sets of the players that you have instead of kind of, you know, digging in and saying, no, we're going to do this and this is what we're going to do. And then, you know, for me, I just want to score points and win football games, right? Because when you score points and win football games, then all of a sudden the college coaches start coming, looking at your players, right? Mm -hmm. So then that gives them the opportunity to get recruited, and possibly, you know, you lay groundwork for your school and the building and community morale and everything else, you know, that's associated with that. So I think, you know, kind of having being open or, you know, like if you ever get to that hundredth page on the book then you know, you're a special guy. If not, then, hey, some years it might be one through ten. Who knows? <laughs> Coach, you know, you're breaking in the, the sophomore now. Um, your philosophy then, I guess, yep. are you one of those guys that, you know, kind of toss some stuff at him and see what he can handle, let him make some mistakes. 
or are you one of those guys that maybe kind of pulls back on the reins and, and you know, kind of dangle the carrot a little bit to where it's like, hey, man, we're going to go piecewise? Or you just say, you know what, I want to see what you can do, and then we'll tailor it from there. Right. So the interesting thing about that is we got we have a we we have a sophomore, right, and then we got a senior. Um, that 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 that's also challenging, right? And what what what's interesting is their skill sets are different. Um, so for me, you know, I like now I like to push the buck. You know, when you're out in your seven on seven stuff, you try to put them in tough situations where they got to kind of fight through and get back to their reads and you know, hone in on their, their specific skills. Um, you know, when you're in camp, you want to kind of throw everything at the wall and kind of see what sticks. Um, I think that today, in today's age, right, one of the toughest things is that the quarterback has to realize day in and day out he's got to lead. And leading is not just in the huddle or through the signals. It's off the field. It's in the weight room. It's, you know, even when they're at their cars leaving practice. I mean, I want the guy that's going to say, hey, man, pick that water bottle up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't the, – the society's kind of giving us, you know, mixed signals now about what a leader is and what it isn't. And, you know, for me, I'm looking for the guy that, you know, no matter what's going to happen, right, that guy's going to stand there and make something happen. So I guess you – I guess really to answer the question, the question is you know, I'm going to put this dude in as many pressure – or both of them – in as many pressure situations before Friday night that I can and kind of see what breaks him and what doesn't, if that makes sense. Yeah, coach. And, and, you know, one thing that I always find interesting with, with coordinators, with uh, quarterback coaches, and I think I've seen, you know, coach Walls do it at times too, is, you know, you kind of got to balance that in high school. Like you said, you go into college, you can recruit three guys that are the exact quarterbacks that you want and you have them the yeah. start. But uh, if you're in high school and you've got two quarterbacks and they're completely different, maybe one guy can throw the ball well and the other guy's a, yeah. a, a, a skill guy that can, you know, is, is fairly quick. Now, you know, now there's also a little bit of balancing act. Well, do I play the guy that throw it a little better and then I can always use the skill guy um, actually at a skill position that adds our skill position, but then I lose kind of my second string quarterback. It's kind of a, a really cool and an interesting balancing act with, with that at times as well when you're when you're at the high school level. Yeah, I think it is. I think um I think it actually is challenging as a coordinator, right? Because I think that at some point it kind of it kind of makes you it forces you to sit down and kind of say, "All right, how can I use them both, or how can we be beneficial, right? To you know, that we can create something that you know that makes them that makes both of them succeed, kind of. Now the great like the I still feel like the great thing about us is um, competition breeds success. So when you got two guys competing right? It's only going to make both of them better. So I think that, you know, it comes down to um, the mental aspect. You know, I think the physical, the physical always shows out for itself, right? Like they, you know, you're going to figure out that um, who's going to make the play, who's not going to make the play, but the mental aspect, the leader aspect, the off the field aspect, the recruitability aspect, I think there's just, there's so many different things that kind of form that ball rather than, Hey, can I just throw it to the open man? There, I think I completely agree, and I, I think there's so many so many cool things that you can figure out about people and about QBs as you're going through that too. I mean, not only you know yourself reflecting, but then the way you practice, and then when when you yeah. about putting the kids in the in those positions, seeing how they respond, you know, 
and I'm not going to let them sit there and, and flounder. And I mean, a lot of them are kids and they're not going to know how to respond to some of those things, but then it's a chance for me to kind of coach them like, Hey, you understand that your body language is awful right now. And, and you're yeah, all mine and, and all of those things are, are dragging people down. We, we got to change your body language. And then maybe you see the other kid, you know, handles that a little bit better. And you're like, okay, now I, I got some other tools I can do use to, to work with there. But when, when kids would, and to me, it would just, it would just give you so much information because all of a sudden now he's down and I'm like, you know, wh- wh- why are you down? You know, well, I'm down because I'm not going to be the starter and I'm not going to be the guy. And I, and I hear the word I 50 times. Yes. It's not about you. And then the other kid maybe gets mad and, and now he's, you know, he, get, he gets down, but he's like, you know, hey, why are you down? I'm, I'm down, coach, because I'm letting the team down. And you kind of start to hear and, and you see the, the true colors kind of come out. But, but those situations have to be created and then you have to coach them out of it. And then you have to kind of help them grow. You know, it's the coaches that, that I have a problem with are the ones that, you know, they, ha- they have the competition. They let the dude flounder, but then they're not teaching them how to get out of it, you know? Right. Yeah. And, you know, once again, I think, you know, especially a high school coach, we all we all owe it to the young men, you know, to essentially this is all life lessons. And they're just learning through the game that we love. So this, this, this relates back to real life as, hey, there might be somebody at your job that's doing it a little better than you. So you got to figure out how, all right, I got to outperform this cat or, hey, I might not get this raise this year. You know, like it all links back to it all links back to real life. And, you know, like you said, when you get to college, there's going to be three of you. So now you got to figure out how you going, how you're going to maneuver. Right. And get through one, two and three so you can get on the field. Um, And I just think that, you know, I, I got so much love and respect for the guys that are standing there and fighting it out and not just checking out and going to the next place or, you know what I'm saying, or, or looking for the next, the easy way out. But they're in there saying, all right, look, I'm going to compete. We're going to let the tits fall where they may. And I mean, I just, I, you know, it's just, it's, it's refreshing is what I'm saying. Refreshing. It is, man. Especially in today's age. I mean, you, you hear it every single day. I mean, I was just on Twitter five minutes ago and I see, blah blah is in the transfer portal blah 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 so and so is in the transfer portal I mean again I I get it man some people are going to transfer there's some some bad coaches out there some bad situations you got some bad advice whatever there might be but understanding that the instant the instant that I transfer as a quarterback or any position guess what I go to a place there's still going to be competition wherever I go you you ain't going to escape it so I, 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 I'm, I'm huge on it, man. I think you, when you find out the guys that can compete, that's, that's massively huge, especially at a position like quarterback. Yes, sir. Coach, you talked, to, you talked about your install and kind of your day one, and then, and then you talked about the yep. into dressing it up. How long uh, in the process do you take before dressing those up with RPOs, with different things? I'm kind of, kind of in a kick right now with, with how to install different things and, and um, and I'm sure now that you've been there for for several years that it is a little bit quicker. But uh, you know, how soon are you starting to introduce some of those ways to dress up your plays uh, instead of just calling them, um, you know, straight up? Okay, so I mean, for us, I mean, we essentially have we essentially have six installs. Okay, and those installs. Um, are based off all of them are based off three blocking schemes, which are you know ISO, gap, and zone. So everything comes off of that. So like if we're if they want install, we're installing off a of, uh, ISO lead. I mean off a of ISO scheme. Then everything that we have that's in the base package, which would be you know regular ISO, 
um, whatever RPO front side, whatever RPO back side, whatever screens tagged to it. So that'll be like RPO. I mean, that'll be like install one. So basically, the whole the whole kind of uh, I guess you would say the whole gambit, the whole closet, maybe the whole arsenal off of that goes in install one. So it's kind of now. Uh, kind of back to your original question was how much you throwing at the wall and what's sticking. So now when you come out of install one, which you when you're install one and you spend a whole practice on it, which for us is about two hours, um, then right then and there you can get a good feel for. All right, look, he can do it to the right side, can't do it to the left yet. Got to practice that more. Or you know, hey, ISO ain't going to work unless we put this tight end in because we're not getting movement on that, on that double or whatever, you know, just kind of whatever your case is that you're, um, that you're coming up with or mental notes that you're, you know, that you're keeping in. So then once I go back and kind of watch practice, I'll sit down and evaluate it. I'll sit down with my line coach, um, and the head coach and then kind of go through and say, all right, look, this is going to be good. This one's not going to be good. Hey, this one's probably going to work. We'll revisit this one. We'll come back. Um, we do it a lot like, Noel Mazzoni in the situation of after we get to install number six, then we start back over. We're one, two, three, four, five, six, and we do that all the way through camp until we're ready to play. So essentially, you're, you're getting the same plays over and over again in multiple ways. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love that really for offensive line. Uh, you know, that's right up yes. my alley as an offensive line coach. Is- yep. You can teach, you know, one scheme that day. And even though it may yep. be with tags and RPOs, it may be, you know, seven different plays technically, it's still the one scheme that you're coaching these kids at. And so uh, there you go. a lot in, but you're not, you know, overloading their brains. Yep. And that's the whole – the whole point is, look, all the – we always tell the skill guys, look, man, that we got to get them five on the same accord. Everybody else back here can do their own thing right, based on a tag or, you know, a word or a freeze call or whatever it is that it is, right? But those five got to work in unison. So that's why everything is catered to them up front. Yeah, that's extremely important. And and there's a lot of offense coordinators, I think, you know, maybe especially that were um, quarterbacks or uh, pass game Mm -hmm. guys first that that don't understand that. I think it's obviously really, really important for those guys to – um, dive into the run game and the offensive line uh, as it appears you have coached. So uh, when, where were you in your coaching journey, I guess, when you first decided, uh, you know, hey, I better really dive into all there is behind the run game and, and how did you go about doing that? Because obviously it is uh, incredibly important. Yeah, so, um, of course, playing quarterback coming through, um, you know, I kind of – it's funny. It's funny that you know when you when you play quarterback and and know that you know a lot, and then when you get into coaching and especially start calling plays, you realize like maybe you really didn't know as much as you thought you did. <laughs> like, you're like, hey, I can tell you how that play worked, but somehow or another, I just don't understand how those linemen were double teaming that dude to the backside backer. Like, and then what happened was I actually got when I got um, when I first started coaching in high school the head coach there, Coach Brian Pierre at Northwestern, um, was a former O lineman. So when we sat down and talked pass pro and we sat down and talked power and and ISO and zone, it was always how we blocking this. I don't care about the rest of that stuff. Right? <laughs> I don't I don't that's not where I'm at. Um so I think the pass pro stuff really came from him. Like being a former old lineman, he did not want a pass play going in unless this pass play was bro- blocked up. And most of the time, he never wanted to send more than three receivers out. 
Uh-huh. Which was always tough. So, <laughs> you know, right. that I think we got a big yeah, look, we got a big deal there. And then when I got to when I got to Wise, um, Delon Parrish, who was the head coach at that time, was the old coordinator and um he was you know, he played safety at Wake Forest. So you know when the defensive guys become offensive coordinators, they were like thirty two personnel in the bone, they were twenty two personnel, double tight, you know, in the eye. Yeah. And it was run run game, run game, run game, play action. So then I kinda got into the, you know, from from, from kind of working his boxes and understanding his run fits and things of, of that nature. Then when we got to all right, look, we're gonna be eleven personnel and this is how we're gonna do it, boom, boom, and boom. It kinda of was like the perfect like the perfect marriage kinda. Of. So I would say I got the, the pass pro stuff from Coach Pierre and then all you know, the running game stuff from Coach Parrish and then kinda of merged it and then from there added the pass game RPO stuff, which I had been kinda of working on, researching, meeting with college coaches, doing this this type of deal behind the scene and it kinda of was like the perfect storm. What would you say now? Uh, what would you say now? Your offense probably most re- resembles, or is it kind of something? You know what? I think it's relatively unique. No, nah, I would tell you. It's funny because we have this conversation all the time. Because um, <laughs> uh, we go back and forth. Because, like I said, the head coach still wants to be Wisconsin, <laughs> right? And that's not that we're not we're not anywhere we're not anywhere like that at all. Not even in your wildest dreams. So I would tell you the closest thing we are, um, the closest thing college-wise, we'd be somewhere between Ohio State and Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, but talk about prolific offenses. I mean, that's a uh, yep. We'd be somewhere between them because we're yep, we're heavy because we're still heavy ISO power counter, right? And we're and we're 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 tagged RPO, um, not all the time, but I would tell you we're probably about seventy percent, you know, tagged RPO. Um, so that's where we run a lot of crossers and mesh like Oklahoma. We run a lot of, you know, counter GT. Um, so it's kind of, you see that, and that's where you get kind of the feel in between because Ohio State is still wants to smash you, right? They just want to do it from the pistol and the gun rather than being underneath the center. Um, and then you were kind of, you know, depending upon what happens at quarterback, right? That's where we're a lot in the passing game like Oklahoma. Coach, how much do you kind of balance, you know, being the, you know, a former QB and an OC? This is one of my favorite questions yes. is, you know, how, how do you kind of balance having to, uh, to you know, have a QB make a read, you know, on a lot of plays versus, you know, every now and again kind of giving him the, the simple or the freebie or maybe it's a quarterback run to where, you know, he doesn't have to read something because, you know, a kid having to read, read things 70 times a game, man, that can be almost information overload for some of those guys, kind of giving them that break. Yep, you're great. And that's why I told you we're 70% RPO because I had the way we set up our calls. We're no huddle tempo, of course, so everything's hand signal. But the way we set our calls up, I can tag whether he's reading or not. So nice. we got one, one word or two words. It just says, like you said, the freebie. Just give it. Just give it. Right, every run play we got that there is a tag that I can say, hey, just give it. You're not reading anything. You're not this. You're not that. And it's interesting because that actually goes back to me. Because I remember back in the uh, wing T days when they used to make you run that waggle, and that DN would come off and bury you in that uh, in that <laughs> dirt, and then they would get up and try to tell you, hey, you need to carry that fake out. What? No way. <laughs> so, so being a being a part of that, right? 
oh, I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Like, at some point, you just got to say, hey, we're running power, give it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. it's, uh, it's, that's kind of, so, you know, that, that goes back to our install deal um, where, and like I said, it could be anything. You know, you could, you know, when you're building your offense, if that's, if you want to go 100% RPO, that's cool. Not me, because I, like I, like we just said, I just don't know what happens when that dude then threw three of them in the dirt or your line just got that double and got two backers out the way and then they don't give it. Oh man. That's when it, oh, the line coach <laughs> the line is yelling coach at is you. The head, yeah. Oh, the head coach is saying, yeah, hey man, if you just would have gave it, it would have been a touchdown. Yep. You're right. So now we'll just take the tag off. So you see, so it's kind of, it works. I think that was kind of a, uh, you know, one of those ones that were, that was a must for me. And I think, and also it comes back to practice time. I think that, uh, you know, when you don't have extra chalk talk or football class or, you know, extra film time that, you know, you're you're kind of trying to rep these guys. And if we're all being honest, I mean, when we're talking high school, you got for a Friday night game, you realistically have one and a half offensive practices. Yes. There's, yeah, so, there's you know, help. it's uh, – yeah, I don't know how you practice reading in the summertime because you can't really – you know, it ain't really nothing to read. <laughs> so – I know it's it becomes like you like you said. I mean, if you want to do a lot, you you have to really really sit down and think about how you're going to practice it. And like you said, when you're not in the pad, it becomes even more difficult. I think, especially when you're you know, Coach Harper and I have said it all the time. It's like it it sucks sometimes to have to build a practice and you're a big gap scheme team or you're downhill ISO. Yes. Team. And and all summer I'm in underwear, you know, so it, it yeah. kind of it kind of sucks to, to have to, to be able to do that. But at the same time, you know, the double-edged sword is we get a lot better at RPOs. We get a lot better in the past game. We get a lot better at, at seven on seven. You know, we don't have some of the strict restrictions that some of the Southern schools have where they can't practice during the summer. Right. Coach, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Well, that's, you know, in, in Oklahoma, we don't get to do – uh, any kind of practices during the summer. And so um, what we do get spring ball. So spring ball, like for us, uh, is like a run fest, you know, and our quarterbacks don't look very good in spring uh, because they're not going to get many reps because we don't get many days in pads. So we're going to use that up. And then all summer long, they get to do seven on seven. And so uh, it's a, it's a pass fest. And then we try to marry that up to where in the fall, we're ready to go with the whole offense. All right. Well, let me ask you this. Do your kids – do the kids struggle as to what the identity of the team is? Because you go all – like you go 100% pass and seven on seven, and then you turn around and go 100% run in pads. So do they struggle as to who you guys are? That, that's a really interesting question. No, they, they haven't these past couple of years. It's pretty uh, – we're – you know, okay. we've got a our, – our head coach is a, a 10-year NFL offensive lineman, um, you know, and okay. we've got – a couple other offensive line, you know, I played offensive line. Our other offensive line guy was a, a division division one or division two offensive lineman, and we got another division two offensive lineman that's coaching tight ends. It's everyone kind of knows that we're we're a heavy run team these past few years uh, because we've been really good at it. So uh, I think they understand it, but I also think that our coordinator probably sits down uh, the the skill kids as a whole, and and they kind of realize that, and they realize hopefully. Hey, if you guys will block and and you guys will sell some stuff, um, you're going to be able to hit some big time play action posts, and you're going to get man coverage. And and when you do, all you got to do is win. You know, I, I've heard Walls talk about that 
a um, hundred times. You're not going to get any better odds than getting one-on-one coverage. There's never going to be right. nobody covering you. And so uh, if we can right. promise those receivers to, that, hey, you're going to get one-on-ones, and when you do, we're going to throw it up to you, um, we've these past couple of years had a really good buy-in to that. Well, that's cool. Yeah, because I kind of see in our like in our players, it's like it's almost like a hangover where, you know, for me in a perfect world, um, I would like to be sixty forty, um, run to pass, and you know, I believe our head coach in a perfect world would like to be seventy thirty. <laughs> so that's true. Well, he's um, a DC too, so he'd like you to run it as much yeah, as possible. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there you go. So um, I think you know in years. In years, we've been really good. Um, the closest I ever got to 50-50 was in 2015. Um, we were 14-0, and won the state championship that year. We were actually 51-49. And, uh, I mean, that, was, and that, wasn't, that wasn't even trying to be. It just so happened that it worked out that way. So um, that makes you really balanced. Now, I would tell you that with that being said, we throw, you know, we throw a lot of quick games. So the quick game almost becomes run plays. So it's kind of, you know, going into that, you know, that deal of how, you know, how efficient, you know, can we be to make these long handoffs kind of, you know, whether that be slant, hitch, out, bubble, quick, you know, gift, rocket, whatever it is that we're doing, you know, in those, in those types of situations. Um, I think that's just as important as taking care of that box. Well, that's exactly right, and and kind of a mix-up that I've heard between a few, you know, a few college coaches, and you know, Leach talked about it a little bit being uh, balanced. He talked about balance, being able to throw it anywhere to anybody. Uh, but but the more and more I study it, I think the real balance that you want to have is is be able to be in a formation, whatever that formation is, and be able to be balanced all over the field out of that formation. So you can throw it yeah. uh, all all the sections on the field, you can throw it. You've got a good run strong. You've got a good run weak. Now, um, when you're in that formation, that formation is very uh, balanced. And so now they don't have a key on you where, uh, you know, you don't want to be in whatever your formation is, but you're only running strong. Uh, that's not a very balanced offense. Right. Well, what's your, I mean, what's your take on that? I mean, I think that, cause I think that in some, in some ways, right. Going fast has helped the game, but in other ways it's kind of watered it down. Right. And you would, so I guess my question to you would be, if you're just going to be a 10 personnel team that lines up in two by two or three by one, right. Does that put you at a disadvantage? Well, here's the thing, you know, I, I, I now coach and uh, we get in a huddle and we break and we go up to the line of scrimmage and we shift and motion and, and do all this. Uh, oh, well, and, well, and you're we, making it tough on them. Yeah. <laughs> well, we did, we did that yeah. uh, because no one in Oklahoma is in 21, 22, uh, hardly 12 personnel. Okay. And so that was kind of the reason we did it. And we had some bigger kids and at the time, not just a ton of athletes. So it was our way to be different. Well, I was in college. I was at the University of Houston. We were uh, completely opposite. We were as up-tempo as you could humanly be uh, and yep. yelled that for not being fast enough. And at that time, I think that gave us a distinct advantage um, uh, because okay. at that time there wasn't many people that were doing that. So um, I think that the more people that get into that, I think it loses the advantage. Uh, but, but what I will say is there's a lot of teams, and, and I'm sure there's plenty that are really good, but there's a lot of teams that go no huddle and they go get lined up and they sit there for 20 seconds of the 40 second clock 
and and they've lost all the advantage of of a defense having to get set up. Now the defense has all the time in the world to find where everybody is. They know it's 10 personnel. You can only do a certain amount of things out of that anyways. Uh, and now they're getting yep. lined up and ready. Now, uh, if your team's good and, and you know, you can do it, then you can do it. I'm, I'm sure Ohio State and, and some of those guys, uh, I don't think they're always a breakneck tempo. And they obviously win a bunch of games. Uh, Oklahoma's not always right. super fast. So, um, uh, you know, but I think just my pure belief is uh, if you don't get in a huddle and you're out there and it's slow, um, I don't I don't necessarily see the benefit of uh, not huddling up where us. We can kind of break the huddle a little bit quicker. And now guys are having to communicate. They're trying to shift. So that's why we did it. But obviously there's tons of spread teams that uh, win a bunch of games too. Right. Oh, yeah, because I think – I mean, I think you're starting to see a trend also um, on Saturday, you know, Saturday moving to college, um, that it seems as though all the trends trickle right down to high school. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing that, you know, the defenses, the defenses have kind of caught up to 10 personnel where, you know, you can think back just, what, seven, eight years ago, Rich Rod and 10 personnel and running the quarterback was kind of the new, you know, the new kind of fad type deal. And then we've seen so many different things transpire from that. When you've seen um, when Chad Morris was at Clemson or, you know, the Baylor stuff or, you know, just kind of offense in general, Lincoln Riley now what he's doing is, I mean, he's running counter Trey, like how Joe Gibbs was doing back with the, with the Redskins, right? He's just not in the eye doing it. So it's all kind of recycles, but I think you're seeing more college teams go to 11 personnel, right? And people – it was funny because I was talking to our old line guy. Now they're calling ISO zone insert. I mean, I, you know, it's kind of – you know, so it's kind of – it's all the same thing. I just think it's, just, it's going in cycles, just like the three high safety look and, you know, teams getting back to odd fronts and all of this stuff is – it just it just kind of goes in cycles and – you know, it, it won't be long, right, before we'll probably throw three years out. You'll see everybody back in 21 personnel in the eye, right, because everybody has recruited speed rushers That's exactly right, and right. don't have any big bodies in there anymore. So, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it just kind of it kind of all flows together, I guess. I think that's exactly what you see. And, and, you know, like you said, seven, eight years ago here in Oklahoma, if you were a a 10 personnel team, it was basically cheating in high school. I mean, guys would stay in their (laughs) four, four, you know, whatever, cover three, and and they they just get picked apart. They didn't know any better. And they didn't know what to do. And then, you know, they those defense guys start going to clinics. You see it, I think, all over Twitter. Uh, That's the main thing defense coaches want to talk about is instead of, how do you run fit big thing? It's okay. This is how we're teaching our secondary. And you see a bunch of guys that uh, I think 10 years ago, they'd have been uh, your Mike linebacker. Now they're going to defensive end and now guys, you'd have yep. had safety. Now they're playing linebacker and now you're getting yep. uh, even faster guys at safety, which is great for 10 personnel. And in college, like you said, that's what everyone's recruiting. They're recruiting guys like that. They're yep. not recruiting any old school Mike linebackers to play Mike. Well, uh, you know, exactly. now, now when uh, I, you know, my belief is now when, when K-State uh, is now going 21 personnel uh, from North Dakota yep. State, came to K-State, now they're getting the Big 12. Well, everybody's recruited 10 personnel type guys uh, for defense. Yeah. And they've, they've spent hours upon hours teaching them all of these different things that they need to do in coverage against three by one and empty and all of this where, okay, now this team comes in. 
Uh, they've spent all their time on different coverages. Now how are we going to run fit 21, 22, motion, shift? Uh, it becomes a whole new ball game for just one week. Yep, it's almost like defending the option, like playing Navy or Army or one of them type of deals. Exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, I, oh, I, I think agree. that'll be interesting. I think the other big thing you're seeing too, I mean, and they've, they've talked about it on defense with hybrid players. I think you're seeing that on offense too, where, I mean, it might not be a true tight end, but it's a 6'4", 220 pound receiver who can, man, who can manhandle outside linebackers or safeties or hybrids, whatever you want to call them in the perimeter run game or the screen game. But he can also, all of a sudden they come up and they play man press. He makes them pay, you know, with, with slot phase. Yep like that so I think that that's another way the game's changed you know and, and you can put that dude in the backfield or put that dude on the end of the line he might not be a killing block a crushing blocker but he doesn't have to be you know versus some of these these smaller defensive ends and some of these smaller outside linebackers anyway so I think you can you can get a lot of neutralization kind of using some of those dudes as well with you know kind of even what Wells talking about with the tight ends that they're kind of becoming special I think uh, a lot of those guys maybe not a lot but there's several at the NFL level that were high school players, uh, that were high school basketball players, um, maybe even yep. college basketball players. And then uh, they found out they're super athletic, but they're 6'6", and they'll never get to be a center uh, in the NBA, but they can be a badass tight end. Uh, and so yep. it's, it's a very crucial thing to get those kids bought into that and, and wanting to play a little football, at least giving them a chance. I, have you been able to – you being an ex-basketball player, college basketball player, pro basketball player, uh, is that something that, uh, that you can kind of put some salve on some of those basketball kids at your high school and, and try to get them out playing football for you guys? Hey, look, man, I need to do a better job at it. <laughs> look, look, they're, they're, they're there, you know. Um, they're there, man. I, I mean, I'm not, you know, not going to tell you any stories. They're there, but it's, it's kind of like Maryland is a big um, – is a big basketball state. Um, and it seems like those kids never stop playing. Like they're, you know, you know what I mean? Like they're, yeah. it's, it's regular basketball season. Then it's AAU. Then it's like fall league. Then it's summer league. I'm like, Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Come out here and catch some fades. <laughs> well, right. You know, a rush, to, rush the passer. Um, you know, it seems as though we're always saying the same thing, you know, six, four is regular in basketball, but that's scholarship in football. But, you know, they don't – for somehow, for some reason, I guess, you know, they don't – we haven't done a great job. Now, we've had two basketball players that played football. Both of them got scholarships. One went to – one's playing left tackle at Akron right now. Um, and then the other one was playing uh, tight end at NC State. And they ended up, you know, stopped playing football and now it's playing basketball. But um, both of those guys, I mean, led bodies and, you know, just kind of – you know, worked out well for him. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you're, you know, you touched on it in Maryland. It's, it's uh, basketball they're playing year round. You know, here in uh, Oklahoma, it feels like baseball they're playing year round. And um, you know, yeah. I know for for up in Iowa, it it is year round basically baseball. And so it may be different sports for each each um, state that's a little more popular. But uh, those guys that play year round that one sport. Uh, and are good enough athletes to play football, uh, you almost wish that sport would give them a little bit of a break, uh, let them play six months instead of 11, and uh, let them right. do a couple other things. Right. But, you know, I mean, and this, I also think, too, like, you know, like anything else, man, football 
football is a big commitment. You know, I mean, it's, you know, you're lifting weights. Um, and I think, you know, I think the lifting, the lifting part, I think deters, um, deters other sports athletes because mm-hmm. I don't believe any other sport lifts the way the football players do. Like, you know, being a, being a former basketball player myself, you're, you're lifting for endurance and not strength. So it's less weight, more reps, same thing with track, same, you know what I'm saying? Same, the people that you would want for them, you know, then you come into the, to the, to the weight room and, you know, these dudes are throwing up 400 pounds and then all of a sudden it's like, uh, I don't really know if this is for me. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's just, I think that's a, you know, I think it's just a little, you know, it's a little, it takes a, it takes a different person, I think, to kind of get over that hump. Yeah. Then, then of course they all go to college and then they're, guess what? They're all lifting a lot of weights. (laughs) There, there it is. But you know, you know, come on, man. We've we've all, we've all been sixteen, seventeen once. Yep. No doubt. <laughs> the the world through those eyes is a little different. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. Well, coach, being being the OC coach, are are you a guy that are you an on the field uh, play caller? Or are you up in the box? So I've I've been up in the box the last five five six years. Been in the box for six years. What what uh, what what brought you to that? A lot of guys that are that are spread uh, or you know yep. Ohio State type up tempo guys are on yep. the field. Yep. So to me, okay, because we still want to run this ball. I gotta see what you. I gotta see that 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 front. I gotta see what those linebackers are. And being on the field, it puts you in a perimeter mindset. Like you end up seeing one side of the field, kind of mm-hmm. in from a diagonal. I want to be able to see the whole thing. I mean, we use Sky Coach, um, so you know it comes to me on my iPad. I got my little, you know, I got my book up there, and I can I can write notes and kind of, you know, I kind of I'm a, I kind of I can see everything, and I'm away at the same time if that makes sense. So it's kind of, um, you know, I talk to every every one of our position coaches has, you know, they have a headset, the O line, the running back coach, the wide receiver coach. They so I I talk to them. I sit, I get the play in, send the play down. Um, and then when we're on defense, our quarterback gets a headset. So at that point in time, I'm talking to him with the, you know, with the sky coach on the sideline also, and we're kind of going through it together. So it gives the only thing that I think that I really, really miss about being on the sideline and calls on the sideline is when your quarterback takes that shot, mm-hmm. him looking at you in your eyes, right? And you can see, you can see right then and there, he's done or he's in it to win it. Right. That's the only thing that I think that I really miss. You know, everything else is kind of is as a coach to me, it's better to be kind of away from it a little bit um, because I think it gives you the angle to see exactly what's going on versus you relying on somebody else. If that makes sense. Yeah, I yeah, I was going to say walls. I was going to say walls is the same way. Uh, He was up in the box. I don't know. Walls, have you have you always been up in the box? Yeah, I yeah, I didn't like calling plays on the sideline at all. When I was the old line coach, because you have to meet with the old line, but uh, yes. anytime anytime I was coaching any of the other positions, I was in the box. Just for the the same reasons you say coach. Um the other thing I thought was I, I wouldn't get as distracted. I think when you're on the sideline, people were yeah, talking. Yeah. You're having to coach, they're asking you questions. I felt like I'd get in and out of flow like when I was trying to call plays. When I'm in the box, I could get into flow. 
you know, I, I felt like, you know, now I could set things up. I could have reminders. It, it was a lot easier for me to do that. And I mean, it was, it was always easy too, because I thought when I, when I was there with the quarterback on the sideline, I felt like maybe I would, I would overcoach or I would overstate things or maybe ask too many questions or, or whatever. I felt like when I was in the box and I just let him roll. And if he, if he had a question, he'd just tell one of the coaches, Hey, I had a question for coach wall. Or, or I'd say, Hey, put, put a, put Jaeger on and I want to talk to him. So I mean, it, to me, it just made the, the pieces of information a lot shorter and concise. And at the same time, I could sit up there and I could get in my zone and, and start calling plays. I agree. Look, I agree with you 100%. I feel like, look, you just said the same thing I did. You just said it better. <laughs> Good job. Well, that's because I first, and then I could go back on it. <laughs> he was adding yeah, that's on. A, but, he I mean, that's the truth. Yeah, is it the biggest – sometimes you feel um, – you know, if you if it's if the game's a blowout either one way or the other, whether you're getting blown out or you're you're get you're blowing you're blowing somebody out, you kind of feel disconnected a little bit from the game because it's uh you know things are going on in the sideline. But you know when you're in it to win it and it's in the games that count. I mean, like you said, you're you're kind of in your own circle. Like where you got like I said, you can actually like put your stuff out there on the table. Like you said, you can circle, you can take notes. I got different color sharpies, you know, for the good plays and the bad plays, and you can kind of circle things off. And you, like I said, you're just kind of in your own in your own deal. And I think you're 100 percent right when you're on the sideline. It seems like you can't get away from anybody. Yeah, that by far the worst. Coach, as as a game planner, you know, going into a game and, and you're kind of wanting to set up a run game uh, and you sit down Saturday yes, to, to start putting your run game or, or even your pass game together, where's your kind of starting yep. point? Uh, you know, I I know for us, I, I get to do the run game uh, for the most part here at Broken Arrow, and, and I'm going to sit down and draw up defense to all the formations, and then I'm going to find, you know, the runs that we like per each formation uh, for what defensive fronts they're going to give us. But what's kind of your – flow uh on saturday on sunday for putting that game plan together so that's 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 really where i am um just what you just said you know you're you know like every every team has certain has certain runs that they're going to run right so now you know the, i think the deal is sitting down and picking out what formations well for us because we're a personnel team what personnels what formations you know and what um what's going to give us the front that we're, that's going to allow us to run the plays that we want to run that week, right? And then from there, you know, you're going back to find out, you know, which, uh, you know, which one of those inside guys is aggressive, which one's the best, D, you know, the D lineman, you know, what's the best overhang, what's the base coverage, you know, all of that stuff. And then when you kind of get all of that done, and I come up with my beaters, um, essentially what I'd like to do, I've, I started doing this about three years ago, was um, – if we sit down and let's say, you know, I pick, we're going to go with, you know, these three pass combinations. We're going to, you know, we're going to tag these RPOs and it's going to be these four runs just per se. What I do then is um, I have a FaceTime on Saturday evening with the starting quarterback and the backup quarterback. And we go through, hey, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. Boom, boom, boom. I'm tour on one, two, and three. Which one do you like? Uh, I like this one. Okay, we'll use that one, and I'll drop these other two. Or I always leave on the run game, the pass game, and the special, always something that the quarterback himself likes because I know that if we get jammed up, I can always go back to this. And if you fail at that, then I'm telling you, see, your fault, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> Should have let me call my play, man. 
<laughs> so, but yeah, that's, I, I feel like when you engage them in the game plan, right, they buy into it even, even, even more, you know, because there it's kind of, Hey, it was kind of like a big thing. Like the running backs, when I started the running backs would say, Hey coach, can we put this on it? Nope. Mm-mm. You don't have that power. <laughs> I'm saying it's just the quarterbacks. You know what I'm saying? With a, with a wide receiver will come in and say, hey, we ain't got rocket stream on this week. Nope. Mm-mm. Come on, coach. Nope. Quarterbacks ain't like it. And then it makes it – it's easy because I blame it on them. Quarterbacks ain't like it this week. So we're going to go with this next week. <laughs> so, you know, That's it kind of – yeah, it, it kind of – it got some good film room, you know, good film room reaction, and it engages them, you know. And then it's, you know, as always, if, if it's something – you know, at the end, I told them I always have veto power, though. So if they come up with and, you know, like you maybe you're playing a cover four team and they're like, come on, coach, we got to throw the four verts. No, nah, not this week, buddy. That, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> so, you know, just kind of one of those, you know, one of those type of one of those type of deals. Well, I think it's like you said, it's so important because they they actually really pay attention uh, all throughout the week on, you know, what the defense is doing. Uh, it's hard to really buy into film study. I mean, you can, there's some special kids, but it's hard to really buy into it and really try to learn when your coach is just telling you every single thing to do. You know, you're not having any of the creative process where when you put them on it, put that on them, at least part of it, um, or at least it seems like part of it's on them uh, to them, at least now they're actually paying attention. They want to make the best play call for themselves and see what they're comfortable with. And the other thing is, you know, you might love whatever, a, a curl and a, you know, whatever. You might like curl uh-huh. uh, and, and your quarterback hates throwing it and almost refuses to throw it. Well, it doesn't matter yep. if it's a perfect play. If your quarterback uh, can't throw that well or doesn't have the confidence in it, then there's almost no point in calling it. Nope, it's a wasted day on that point. It's a wasted day. And I agree with you 100%. Coach, you know, you talked about, you know, setting up beaters and stuff in the past game. How big is, you know, calling calling things and and going to seven on sevens how big is that for your kind of thought process and your development also as a coach when you are calling the pass game um I think for us I think seven on seven is um is a major key and the reason why I say it's a major key is because we're no huddle we're tempo um that's basically where you learn our pass game um we we've played in a lot of seven on seven tournaments. We've won a lot of seven on seven games, but I tell like for us, anytime we get a chance to compete, we want to compete and win, of course. But I refuse to be a seven on seven coach. Like we're not going to be out here running plays that we don't run, right? Just to win seven on seven games. So there's certain times that you're going to see defenses that you're just not going to see in real life. Like you're going to see a three high and no mic and things like that. Hey, if that happens in real life, guys, we're going to run the football. You understand that? Okay. So when you see that, well, who do I read? Is it closed? Is it open? All of this. So we, we get into those, those kind of things and as seven on seven evolves, then, you know, there's more and more of that stuff. But for us, um, it's, it's live reps. It's an opportunity to compete against somebody. I think that, um, you know, in Maryland with no spring ball, all we get is uh, is seven on seven, basically. So you get a chance to, you know, kind of get, get your um, your quarterback understanding what you're trying to do, your receivers and tight ends and running backs and fullbacks and all of those cats on the same page. Um, it's just it's super important without having spring ball. Yeah, I think it's 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 paramount, no doubt, for those guys on the outside, and then I think also for the development of your of your coaches and 
you know, finding route space, winning releases, you know, lining up your beaters, yes. what works against certain things. I just think it's – there's so many positives from it when it's done correctly. You said it. Yeah, and I also think it, even even the, um, the college thing helps. Like when you get to go play seven-on-seven seven on college campuses where you have – you know, you have the college, the college coaches out there. Um, I think that's big time also because it's kind of, I guess, kind of how I like to say it is, is they're getting to see, they're getting it to to rate the athlete right in their natural habitat, kind of. You know, where it's not so much stress on line up, run the forty, and if you don't run this time, then I don't, you know, what I'm saying, then it's not going to work for you. Now you actually get to see this dude doing something that he's confident in, like you said, running a curl or running his bang eight or, you know, the comeback and then kind of seeing, you know, getting to see them in football motion rather than just testing it. That makes, you know, if that, if that yeah. makes any sense. I was, I liked it this year. We're, we're at, uh, we're at Nebraska seven on seven and all the defensive coaches are, are giving me plays on the sideline to be, to be calling. <laughs> Like, hey man, you, they got all this cover two. You should be running this, coach. This just kills cover two. I'm like, man, you're giving away all your secrets. Yeah, see. <laughs> and that's why you and look, and that's why you said put me back in the box. That's right. <laughs> Give me well, back well, in the box. I can't see it down here. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> well, coach, running up on an hour, uh, but the last thing I always love to ask guys is. When you're watching another team's offensive line, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? First and foremost is that that uh, staying low, staying like staying low, coming out of your stand, staying low, right? Getting the double team on the inside hip to the backside backer. Um, you know, when you're talking about um, pull technique or counter, you know, counter GT, things like that, that those dudes are getting out of there. They're low. When they come around the edge, their shoulders are flat, hunting out the backers. Um, you know, I think, you know, still at the end of the day, whether or not the, you're coaching a two-point stance or a three-point stance or what you're doing, those guys got to be benders. And, you know, the good ones the good ones bend and the bad ones don't. <laughs> like, it's – um. But I think that's as, you know, dealing with the O-line and kind of working through um, with those guys, you know, a lot lately is that that's the biggest thing is to get the big guys to bend. So if you can get them to play low and um, play through the hip, then, you know, I think that's when, you know, that coach is doing a great job. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.